Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. Well, we welcome all of you this morning. We're going to do, the pastors can come forward at this time. We're going to do something a little bit different today in that we're going to have a pastor's, we would call it a round table, but it's actually a rectangular table. Uh, and we did this online, and it went very, very well. I was pleased, pleased with it. We're going to, uh, thanks, we're going to review the promise, promise 11, but we're going to do it in a different, different way. And so uh, they're, they're coming. We'll introduce them. I wasn't sure where you were going. I know. Well, don't pull it out from behind me. <laughs> We, uh, I got to sit next to you again. Yes. Sandwich between us. Wait, I meant to say, hey, I get to sit next to you again. That's a good thing. I can't even pull a chair in. <laughs> I'm short. What should we say? Like I said, I'm not sure how this is going to go. <laughs> so we'll see as we go along. Um, this is Pastor Rick Holm, our administrative uh, pastor and care pastor. Pastor Rowe is our youth pastor, Pastor Joe, Family Life. I'm Pastor Sabella. If you're new here, we welcome you. Uh, Becky, if you could just raise your hand real quick. Joe, if you could turn around and see Becky. Becky, come on. No, the, the pizza, the pineapple pizza person. That's her, Joe. That's her. When Joe, Joe got back from uh, school, he said, I would just want pizza. Uh, if you can feed me pizza, I'll be happy. And so we bought pizza and we talked about Becky. It was a beautiful night, uh, really. Very, very nice. Our pineapple pizza person, the PPP. It's good, right? No? You don't like pineapple pizza either? No, you shouldn't. It's horrible. The 11th, we're already at our 11th promise. And the 11th promise is now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. This is such a significant passage that is important in all of our lives uh, for believers or those that haven't come to know the Lord yet. Because one of the ways the enemy works in our life, which we'll talk about, is condemnation. And he condemns us all over again for our sin. But through what Jesus Christ has done, we don't have to to accept that condemnation, okay, because we are no longer condemned. And so that's what we're going to talk about. If you would, I don't have the scriptures up there, but if you want to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, actually we're going to start in 7, Romans 7, 21. I'm going to read through the passage and then we're just going to discuss it and we'll take question and answer after that. We didn't do that online, but we didn't have time. You know, I had Bobby, Bobby is my co-host today, and he just talked too much. And uh, we, ran, we ran out of time uh, in that. He is my favorite. What was his? Oh, oh. Nope. Well. I know, Mel used to be my favorite, but I'm still having trouble getting over the... The, 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 the peanut butter mousse that she didn't save for me. And I told her that I did forgive her, but trust has to be earned uh, in that. All right, so Romans 7, 
No condemnation. I know Pastor Rick just said no condemnation. Never mind. All right, let's get serious. April, cut it out. I have this. I don't know why they let me keep coming back. I have discovered this principle of life that when, to, when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Verse 24, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Then Romans 8.1, this is our theme passage. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads you to death. That is a tremendous and important passage. Pastor Rick, I'm going to ask you to move just a little bit so I can see you. And um, we, um, we don't know how this all goes. It went very well online. We just kind of go with how it goes. But we'll just, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, see how it works uh, in that. So anyway, we'll begin with the word. What do you think of when you think of the word condemnation? What do you think of when you think of the word condemnation? I think about guilt. I think this is all. Oh, there it is, yeah. And I think about penalty. I think about punishment, judgment, and uh, not even having the right to appeal. Ah, That's good. kind of what goes Condemnation. On. Yeah, I, I always get the, uh, what? it's either all or nothing with this mic today. I don't know what's going on. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I always think of um, a courtroom, you know? I always get the picture when I think of condemnation of a judge sitting up there behind a wood desk and he's just kind of pronouncing judgment on somebody. So condemnation, when we use that word, is, is not good. Right. <laughs> it's not good. It's not a good thing. It's condemned and with, it, it, it carries with it a hopelessness that the decision has already been made. So we're going to kind of walk through this a little bit. Um, and so before Christ, we are condemned, right? Before Christ, we are condemned. And why? Why? This is not a tricky answer. I, I'm asking no trick questions today. But why are we condemned before Christ? Because of our nature. It's, it's sinful. It's... Do I need to move this up? Try that. Is that better? It just seems really loud. It's, it's good? Oh, okay. Maybe it's just up here. Anyway, go ahead. Because of our sinful nature. That's I mean, it. It's, that's the only nature we have up to that point. So we are condemned. What is the consequence of sin every time? Death. Death. For the wages of sin is death. death. But the gift, 
the gift of, gift of the God. gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So before Christ, it is true we are condemned. Even Jesus said, "I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world, because the world is already condemned uh, because of sin." Now, one of the important things I think in this passage is to understand who wrote it and a little bit about him. So let me throw it out to the congregation. We're kind of a little more informal. Who wrote the book of Romans? Paul. If you're talking New Testament, unless it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you got a good shot at Paul. Okay. If you don't know any other writers, and to the team up here, uh, what do you think of when you think of Paul? Pharisee. Pharisee. Well-informed, also very critical. Okay. Very critical. Um, on the online service, Pastor Rowe said, Pastor Rick should know because they were friends, which I didn't think, I, I didn't think was, was very nice, Pastor Rowe. I thought that was hurtful. But see, see I would never, I would never say, I would never say anything like that. I would never say that. But what do you think of when you think of, of Paul? I plead the fifth. Plead the fifth now, yeah. Yeah. Pastor Joe? She doesn't, she doesn't think of Paul, I don't think. No. She doesn't think of Paul, yeah. Um, well, I always think of him as, you know, a Pharisee. He was a, so before the Lord. Well, uh, let's tell, tell us what a Pharisee is. So the Pharisees, um, they were, kind of came out of um, the exile. And when the Israelites were in exile, the, there was a, a group of people who determined that the reason they had been exiled and sent out of uh, Jerusalem was because they hadn't obeyed God's laws uh, good enough. And so they became very much focused on the law. They wanted people to adhere to the word of, uh, of the law the, or the letter of the law and everything that they did. And they were very fanatical in making sure that, uh, you know, everything was black and white and you had a rule for everything. And so Paul kind of came out of that group. I don't think I even knew all of that. Good for you. So these books you're reading aren't just coloring Occasionally books. Occasionally I They're remember They're not just something. coloring books. Yeah, so he was a Pharisee. He was well-trained in the law. We had said uh, back in the day, more Pastor Rick in my day, not a shot at Pastor Rick, I'm including myself. In, in some circles, education was looked down upon. And if you had the anointing, you didn't need education. Well, the reality is Paul was ridiculously educated and there was no one else in the early Christian church that could do what he did. Peter, nothing against Peter, great man of God, didn't have the theological training to establish the doctrine that was needed in the original church and certainly could have never written the masterpiece that Romans is. God doesn't just uh, qualify the call. He also calls the qualified. And so the training that Paul had was very, very hugely important uh, to answer the questions of the day, to, to be able to present Christ from an Old Testament perspective, to be able to debate with philosophers. I mean, he was incredibly uh, talented and gifted and a great man of God. What were some of the things, uh, Pastor Rowe, um, that, that Paul accomplished? Or what, what, what are some of the things he was doing? Putting you on the spot. I'm sorry about that. I didn't necessarily mean to. I thought it was a softball. All right, read nice. Uh, you know, well, one of the things was is you know Paul struggled. Uh, you know, he had a lot of tension in the previous chapters before, and uh, 
you know, it just kind of goes to show that, you know, he was just as human as we are. Uh, you know, that he struggled with the sinful uh, nature and the sinful desires just as we as human people do. But yet God called him out of that. You know, he gave him the strength, you know, that, that, uh, that pulled him from the sinful nature and the sinful desires. You know, even back way, way back when, you know, as pastor says, you know, Paul's the same age as Pastor Rick. I mean, uh, <laughs> but, you know, the same things that Paul struggled with back then and the same tension that he had and the right. same struggles, that, you know, in the mind, the body, and the spirit that he struggled with, you know, we so struggle with even today. You know, and that That's was right. one of the things you know, that God did. God did is he gave him the strength. He gave him the power of the Holy Spirit to pull through that. You know, he pulled him out of uh, the, the sinful, the sinful uh, world. In, in some ways, it, it, it's a comfort to me to see these scriptures because here's Paul, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, church planter. Uh, I mean, he was just the most important Christian in the early church. Uh, I would think besides Christ, he was one of the most significant. It was Peter, but it transferred over to Paul. And yet he says these words, I don't do what I want to do, and I end up doing what I don't want to do. And I'm like, okay. That I can understand. Pastor Rick? But isn't it amazing that someone that struggled, that did what he didn't want to do, did what he did? How much God Good. used him in spite of those feelings of, of guilt, condemnation. Paul could argue at a moment's notice. I mean, he listened, he watched, whatever the environment was, Paul was in this season, he was right there, and he could grapple with the best of them. I think God gives us that has nothing to do with how good we are. Right. It has everything to do with how great and mighty God is. That's one of the reasons I think that we do need the Holy Spirit. We need to recognize that God gave us that spirit for a reason. That's right. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the Holy Spirit in a minute. But Paul, you know, just being who he was and how God used him, still struggled with these things, which I think helps all of us understand that just because we struggle with these things, it doesn't mean that we're not believers. Believers still struggle with the flesh, with the sinful nature. Uh, Pastor Joe, you had mentioned something. I know it's hard to repeat because sometimes we talk and it just flows, but if you could talk a little bit about body, soul, and spirit um, and, and where the flesh fits in with that. Right. So, um, a lot of people will look at it one of two ways. Some people will say we're like body and spirit. Some will say we're body, mind, and spirit. There's you know a little bit of debate on that. But either way you look at it, um, we're composed of more than just our bodies. And, and uh, we have a spirit that's going to go on to the next uh, world. That is what is, is made alive again when we come to know the Lord. Uh, he comes into our life and he brings life to our spirit again. We are all eternal beings. You know, once you're born, you're going to exist forever. It's just a matter of what location you're going to exist. And so uh, God has made it so that we can go to heaven to be with him, uh, that our spirits will go on there. But we also have this. We also have our bodies. We also have the flesh. And, and sometimes in our minds, uh, we struggle as well um, through life. And, and it's just one of those things that until we're glorified one day, those are things that we're going to have to um, struggle with. It's, it's almost like God has, you know, saved our spirit. He has um, 
he's in the process of renewing our minds. And then one day our bodies will be glorified as well. And so there's a, a, a steps a, along the path of what God is doing for each one of us. And our bodies have to be glorified someday to get to heaven because our bodies are sinful. That's where the sin is carried out. I like what Pastor Joe said about our minds are being renewed. It's a continual process. And I, we, had, we didn't touch on this, but I do want to touch on it. And how do we renew our minds? Well, I think one of the things that we, that we need to do is be students. And I'm not just talking about a devotional, which is good. But I think in order to renew our spirit, I need to really build myself up. We talked earlier in, in the uh, first service about the spirit of this age and how invasive it is into regular life and, and, and thinking. And if I don't have that foundation, if I don't insist on building a good, solid foundation and, and study the word, immerse myself in it, even tear it apart a little bit. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the old English word is musing, kind of turn it inside out, upside down, and rework it and look at it from a couple of angles. I'm going to find myself surrendering to the spirit of this age and not to the Lord's spirit. Good. The spirit of this age and not the Lord's spirit is yeah. good. Pastor Ralph? You know, and I think that's, you know, on top of that is that's why our flesh becomes so strong in our lives, you know, that we fall into that sinful nature, we fall into those sinful desires is because we may at one time have been so grounded and rooted in him, you know, and we, we tend to fall away and, you know, we fall into those sin traps and we fall into those, those things that we do or those decisions that we make that we know that we shouldn't have done, but we did them anyway. And we in turn um, condemn ourselves. You know, oh, well, God can't use me because I did that. Or, right. you know, how can God use me if I, you know, did this? You know, we, we tend to beat ourselves up. And through that, we allow the enemy to plant those lies and to, to plant those seeds in our minds. And therefore, it kind of pulls us away, away from him. And it pulls that root that we were so grounded with him in. And, and we have that gap now. So, and, and in that gap, we tend to lose the mindset of the renewing of the mind. You know, but when we draw closer to him and we come to him, he already knows our mess ups, he already knows our failures, he already knows our faults. But that's the good thing about God is he is so gracious and merciful that he forgives us of our sins and all we have to do is ask. You know, we ask him to forgive us and he washes us clean and through that, it, it, it draws us closer to him. Right. You know, and when it draws us closer to him, our minds tend to be renewed on the mindset of how we look at the perspective of his forgiveness. You know, one of the dangers of being a pastor is we do sermon preparation. And there's the danger. If I use the Bible strictly for resource material in order to prepare the next message and look for those uh, bullet points or these, these sounds that we, you know, for the effect, I'm missing it. Because I, I also, it's not just that you prepare a sermon. We need to do that, and I do, and we do. But I also need to look at the Bible for my own personal resource right. and personal growth to go beyond just, okay, here. Now, there's, there's so much more to this book we call the Bible. Yeah. We need God to, I, I, I say, God, speak to me before you speak through me. Yeah, amen. That's what I would say. So very significant. So study. So 
understanding what is coming from the enemy and what is coming from the spirit helps renew our mind. Anything else on renewing the mind? Because it is hugely important. I mean, fellowship, all of this. Because we're, we're taking ourselves, you know, we grew up in, in, let's say, in sin. We grew up one way in a certain mindset. And now God is moving us to another mindset. That's the renewing of the mind. Right. And I would just encourage people, uh, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, uh, how long you've been serving the Lord. Um, the Lord, it feels like, does a lot of renewing right away. And then there's some stuff that it just, he knows it's going to take us a little while. And so he slowly reveals some things to us as we go. So you might have been serving the Lord for a long time. And then all of a sudden, the Lord could just stir in your heart something and say, hey, uh, you know, Trying to, I, I can't think of an example right off the top of my head, but just something that we've always thought would be okay or we've been doing for a while, even as a Christian. And then he might just stir in your heart one day and say, hey, maybe you want to think about that thing. Maybe that's not something that you want to be involved in. And we need to allow the Lord to just continue to renew our mind even as we go. We can't, you don't want to get to the point where you think like, I've already got it all settled. The Lord has spoken to me. He showed me what's right and what's wrong. And there's nothing else that I can learn about maybe something that's wrong out there that uh, the Lord might be revealing to me in a, a slower fashion. So. Yeah, that's right. We never get to the point where we know it all. We're always a work in, in progress. Uh, that's, that's so significant. The last church I was at, it was a church plant. And I think at this point we were meeting in a, in a large kitchen uh, when we started. And the, the one lady called me and said that, she would no longer be coming to uh, the Wednesday Bible study because there's nothing else I could teach her. And I thought, I thought, well, not only will she not be coming to uh, the Bible study, it won't be long before she's not coming to church. And I remember writing myself a note, and sure enough, uh, because when you come into things with that attitude, it's not going to work. Um, another quick funny story, and we'll get back to this. I have a lot of stories. You didn't know that, but it's true. <laughs> I was 26 years old when we planted that church, and we were in the, in the kitchen after the service, you know, just whatever, talking, and somebody said, you need to go into the living room, and there's something going on there that you might need to take care of. So these two adult, grown women that were older than I was were fighting. Not quite fist fighting yet. I think I stepped in just in time. And they were going, I didn't like you since the last church we went to. And I'm just sick and tired of you coming. I was like, oh, no. So I'm like almost, I'm panicking. And I put my hands, I was sweating so bad because I didn't know what to do uh, in that situation. But it was one of those ladies that there was nothing you could teach, uh, teach them to. You know, we never want to have that mindset. There's always something to be, be learned. And, and part of the, the joy of having a pastoral team is we're learning from, from each other. So here's Paul. Here's what Paul's saying. I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. Okay? And then he says in verse uh, 24, and if I just ended at the exclamation point, that would be bad news. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. If Scripture stopped there, it wouldn't be good news at all. Because the reality is we all agree with him. We're all the same way. We do what we don't want to do and you know, so on and so forth. We all continue to sin because of the sinful nature. What a miserable person I am. That's not the good news. That's the reality. The good news comes after that reality. 
He, he establishes the purpose of the law is to point out our sin. That's actually all of chapter 7. He establishes that, but then he gives us the good news. Who will free me from this life dominated by sin? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ. And that's what we're here to present, although we're not done yet. That's what we're here to present. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Apart from Jesus Christ, what a miserable person we are. We are, apart from Jesus Christ, condemned. The judge God looks down at our life and says, you have sinned. And here's the judgment for sin, death. But Paul doesn't end it there. He says there's a hope and there's an answer in Jesus Christ. And so why and how does this work that we are no longer condemned? Why are we no longer condemned? Now there is no condemnation. Why? How does that come about? Because we are now in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 talks about new creation. And so the old has passed away and now we have this new creation. But here is the challenge. What I feed grows. Right. What I starve weakens. I need to make sure that I feed this new creation. That's why we talk about prayer, Bible, fellowship, being in, in attendance in church, uh, small groups. Right. Great way of, of, of learning and, and growing. So feed this new creature. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and like I said in the online service earlier this morning was uh, with this verse here, oh, what a miserable person I am. We have to remind ourselves, too, that sometimes sin, we do it because it makes us feel comfortable. Uh, we don't want to have to struggle with saying no or not doing or not deciding or falling into that trap because we want to do what makes us feel comfortable. We want to fit in with everybody. We want but God has called us to set to, to be set apart from the world. You know, and God knew that none of us are going to be perfect. He knew that we're all going to struggle. We're all going to sin. I mean, even as pastors sitting up here, we all sin on a daily basis, just like you guys do. You know, but one of the things, you know, like, like Pastor Rick said, you know, what we feed will grow and what we don't feed, you know, will soon die. And that's one of the things, too, is, as far as, you know, going with the whole renewing of the mind, too, is when we are constantly renewing the mind and constantly listening to God speak to us and allowing him to come in and take control of what we think, say, and do, our minds would be renewed. And then we don't have to feed into what's going to cause us turmoil in the end because oh what a miserable person I am it may feel good at the moment it may make you happy at the moment but you also reap what you sow so there's always uh consequences you know for the things that we do you know and the, and the things that we fall into you know so that's you know that's also one of the good things about God too is that you know he went and he died on the cross for each and every one of us and I know we hear that on a daily basis but do we really know the meaning behind all the sin that we do, you know, and we commit on a daily basis, and yet this one man gave up his whole life for us to be forgiven so that we don't have to carry this, and so we don't have to worry about facing the penalty of death in the end. It doesn't make sense. No. Because that God mm -hmm. would send his son to die for my sin not just the sins I didn't know I was committing, but my willful, 
disobedience to the known will of God, Jesus died for those sins. That makes no sense except in the fact that God is love. And what a, we don't have time for, for this, and Pastor Joe will get to you in a second, but the dichotomy between the law and grace. And Paul was steeped in the law, which only reminded him of sin, but he became a preacher of grace, which he had never heard before, but he experienced when God forgave him of all of his sins. What would you say uh, was the worst sin that he committed? Anybody know Paul? He was there when uh, Jonathan was killed, the uh, first martyr of the church. Or Stephen. It was uh, either Jonathan Stephen. or Stephen. Sorry. But we're going to go with Stephen. Yes. We're going to go with Stephen today. Yeah, Jonathan. I don't know where Jonathan came well, from. John probably Stephen deserved it too. Yeah. was the first martyr of the church, and Paul was there. Uh, it was one of the Beatles. I don't know. Somebody was there. No, um, Paul was there <laughs> and uh, when Stephen was being stoned to death. That's right. Uh, he actually watched the, the clothes of the people who were there. Uh, he, they laid down their stuff so they wouldn't get it all messed up while they were stoning this guy to death. And Paul was there guarding their stuff and giving his approval over what they were doing. But how easy is it to fall into that trap? Well, I guess the word would be self-righteous, right? Thinking yeah, that's that right. That's right. these Christians were breaking the law and the law was master. Until Paul really learned, and, and as pastor said, that grace... Therefore, much more abounds. And, That's right. Uh, big secret. Absolutely. The, um, the, the grace that he experienced and that he was able to teach was the opposite. Now, let's think about that sin of overseeing the death of people that didn't deserve it. Because he went from there to going and having the paper signed and arresting mm -hmm. people and separating families just because of their belief. I mean, before Christ, he was a, a wicked, hard, evil, vengeful man. Now, let's think about this. Don't you think the enemy would remind Paul of what he did? Oh, yes. Paul, how can you be preaching this? Don't you remember you had, you had people killed? And you know how I know the enemy works like that? Is because he does that in my own life. Mm -hmm. When I'm trying to accomplish something for God, he reminds me of the things that I've done wrong. And he wants me to not do or be all that Christ wants us to do and be. And he does that by reminding us of all of our faults. And in essence, that's where the condemnation comes in. We've all experienced that, right? Where oh, the enemy yes. Oh, yes. reminds us of previous sins and he wants to disqualify us from whatever ministry or whatever we're doing in life by reminding us of our sins. Here's where this promise comes in. It's true, I did do that, but that was my old self. Now I am new in Christ Jesus and now I know these thoughts of condemnation don't come from God because in Christ Jesus, I am not condemned. And so, therefore, I know these thoughts are not from above, but from below. Do you understand that? That's why this passage is so key. Because condemnation is one of the tools that the enemy uses over and over and over. Look at all of them. Peter, he denied Jesus at the most important time. Never thought that he could be used again 
but Jesus restored him. I'm sure the enemy tried to use condemnation in his life, but he knew that he was a different person through Christ Jesus. One of the great ways to be able to get somebody to quit doing something is to make them feel like it's going to be too difficult. Right? Uh, they have marathon runners who will go and they'll run these incredible long distances. They train, they do all these things. And what they'll do to mess with them sometimes on a course is they'll put like a big hill in the middle of the course or toward the end of the course. And it can just, it's just psychologically a huge thing right. for them because they know that they've run distances further than this before. But just that going up a hill, it just makes it more difficult for them. And so if you can remind somebody of just how difficult something is. So uh, the, the way the devil uses that or, and the way our flesh uses it sometimes is we just are reminded of all this stuff that we've done wrong in the past. And we're just like, I just can't. I can't be perfect. I can't be Jesus. So I, I can't get there. So, you know, maybe I should just stop trying. And it, it's one of those things where the more difficult somebody makes something seem, the more they want to give up on it. Uh, I remember there was a, or just recently I had uh, a vehicle. I have a, a vehicle that uh, had a problem. It had a blown head gasket. And we're getting ready to have it repaired and stuff like that. But I remember I was like, you know, I'm handy with some stuff. I could work on cars. I've done some different things. And I was like, how hard could, how hard could it really be? And so uh, I watched a video on YouTube of somebody doing a head gasket. And by the time they got the engine out of the vehicle, I was like, I, this is too much for me. <laughs> you know? and, and I looked at it, and I was like, there's no possible. I, I actually was watching it, and I remember I was talking to Dave about this after. And I said, I can't believe there's anybody who attempts to do head gaskets. Like, not only will I never do one, I don't know why there's anybody who would ever do it. And uh, because it's just a, such a complicated process, and you look at it, and you're like, I just can't do it. You know, and I realized that I couldn't do that, but... The devil likes to try and make us think that we can't live for the Lord. But there's right. something that we have that I don't have when it comes to working on a car. We have the Lord there and the Holy Spirit to help guide us and strengthen us in doing that, living that life for the Lord. Absolutely. We have the power of the Spirit now. There's one other area I want to look at and then we'll, we'll wrap this part up. And we talked about it earlier. The difference between, watch this, this is key, conviction and condemnation. The difference between conviction and condemnation. Pastor Rick, any thoughts on that? Let me give a personal example. We'll start with condemnation. All of you know of Ginny's uh, long, prolonged illness. And the other day I was talking to a family member and they said, you being a pastor and having a son that's a pastor, why don't you see any results? And if I could have reached through the phone, I would have. Uh, okay, they may see it, that's okay. But he happens to be one of my favorite brothers-in-law. I like him because he, he likes to tease and he's a golfer and, and uh, so we have, we have some things in common. But you see, that's condemnation because that's I have right. no control and I condemn myself enough in the fact that maybe if I hadn't uh, I'm German, I have the Audubon foot, which means that the gas pedal is closer to the floor than it should be. And so if I wasn't speeding, but I have a get out of jail free card, which may or may not be a good thing for my son-in-law, who's a state trooper, then maybe Ginny would feel better. 
But conviction yeah. is not condemnation. Conviction right. is God loving us and speaking to us and redirecting us and refocusing and, and reminding us that we are in him and, and all these things that we do that we don't want to do. But maybe I take a lackadaisical attitude. And maybe that's, that's my problem. But conviction is God loving me to correct me, to bring me back in line with his spirit, with where he is at and, and how he wants me to be because I really don't have to have the Audubon foot. So none of you follow me today because I'm going to struggle. I'm going to go five miles slower than I usually do. But we all have that, whether you have an Audubon foot or you think maybe this is okay because that's just the way I am. You see, that's the excuse I make. I'm, I'm German, therefore I have Audubon foot. But God says, no, Rick, I need you to go follow the sign. It's okay. And if someone goes five miles, and this, is, this bothers me to no end, if someone goes five miles slower than what the speed limit says, I am pronouncing judgment on them, okay? <laughs> It's the sentence of death. Me then too. I say, Lord, why do you have them in front of me? Why couldn't they be behind me? Because I could be there rather than here. I know I'm the only one that struggles, but con condemnation is what I just did to that person. Conviction says, Rick, why don't you pray for them? Help yourself out. Refocus. Condemnation for us is bad. Conviction is good see condemnation is bad conviction is good and when we feel convicted from our sins that's a good thing in the sense that God is working in our lives but we want you to draw and this is one of the most important things I want to get across today we want you to draw this distinction between condemnation and conviction we are no longer condemned but the Holy Spirit convicts us when we sin because God has better things in store for us. I have one more question we're going to address up here, and that's how to deal with it. But I want to read this scripture first. Did you have something else, Pastor? No, no, before I we just got that? Okay. Grab my mic again. This is in Galatians, Paul writing again The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. That's what we've been talking about. So you are not free to follow out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation of the law. When you operate under the Spirit, you are no longer condemned. You're convicted to put us back on the right track again. When you follow, when you follow the desires of sinful nature, the results are very clear. And it goes on, and sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. Or we would summarize all of that by television. Right? This is all played out and all normalized and all glorified in the media all around us. Am I right? But we're different than that. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life or glorifying, see the difference between committing a sin and that and lifestyle? 
Lifestyle is a willful disobedience to the known will of God that you choose to continue in. Committing sins and asking for forgiveness is something we all experience. There's a difference between sinning each day like we all do and committing a lifestyle of sin because that's a willful choice of disobedience. But the Holy Spirit, see this difference? Condemnation, conviction. But the Holy Spirit produces something different in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. We call them the fruit of the what? Spirit. Spirit. Okay. So we deal with feelings of condemnation. Hopefully we've drawn a distinction between that and, and other things. How can we overcome? What are some practical steps we can take to, to help ourselves and others overcome the feelings of condemnation? So I think for me, one of the big things is um, we need to remember what brought us to the Lord in the first place. Uh, and that's that forgiveness and the grace that Jesus offers us. Um, so often we can have that, that feeling of condemnation of I can't do anything right. And I, got, you know, I keep messing up and I keep struggling. And then we need to stop sometimes and just remember that uh, as Romans 5.8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yes. We didn't have to be right for him to die for our sins. And we don't have to be completely right and, and get everything correct for him to continue to love us. The Lord loves us. He wants to forgive us. He wants to be a part of our lives. Even when we're in that area of, of making mistakes and doing things wrong, the Lord wants to come along and he wants to help us out of that. We don't have to feel condemned. We don't have to feel rejected by the Lord. We need to, to know that the Lord loves us. And if he does come in and give us some conviction, then he's doing that to help restore us. Amen. Anything else on uh, how can we overcome these feelings of condemnation? This, is, that this helps me out. And that is to reflect upon, as Pastor Joe said, what God has done. But resist. The Bible says resist the devil. Yeah, because you have yeah. all these thoughts and, and all this going on. And, and all of us have, have maybe dealt with anger or different things. But resist. You know, someone said count to ten. Whatever works. But we need, we need to do that so that, again, we, we feed the new creature. But we starve the old nature. So resisting is, is good. 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 The enemy wants to condemn us to keep us from doing and being what God wants us to be. Don't let him win. Don't let him win. Recite this verse to him. Therefore, there is no condemnation through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because God has a good purpose for your life. Because he's a good God. And I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. I know this is how it works though. We hesitate to do what God wants us to do. Because we're reminded of what we've done in the past. This verse changes. This promise changes all of that. I can serve God. I will serve God. Even though I've made mistakes in the past. Because I am no longer condemned. I am no longer condemned. Instead of being condemned. What has been sentenced. If there is a court scene. Is he has found us innocent. Because of what Jesus has done for us. And so my last thought to you is go and do and be 
all that God has for you. And don't let past mistakes hinder you from those things. And here's why. Because now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Do you have any questions while you have us all here? Any questions? I know in this setting it's, it's difficult, but we're happy to answer any questions that you have. You got one more thing? Is it good? I, I hope so. Okay. Um, don't feel like if you begin to struggle, God is not looking to get rid of you simply because you begin to struggle. God, if anything, at that time is looking to draw closer to you. Yeah. He's not looking to push you away. He understands your sinful nature. He understands your struggle. He's not looking to throw you out because uh, you're now all of a sudden going through a difficult time and having some, some troubles. That's the time where God wants to draw you in the closest. So don't give up just because you're, you're starting to realize that there's something in your life that shouldn't be there. That was good. Look at Adam and Eve. They tried to get away from God and God pursued them. Good, good. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.